struggling to determine what's ethical and what's not for your business or practice? It may be because you haven't delved deeply into your why, your why for your business. Called by many a unique and deep approach, the Why Workshop is a self-paced $77 mini course that guides you in a multifaceted dive into why you do what you do. The resulting ahas can become the heart of your brand and filter all of the decision-making in your business. Go to defythestatusquo.com forward slash the hyphen why hyphen workshop to learn more. <laughs> I promise I didn't pick the name the critically conscious coach because it alliterates, although that's pretty cool. When I settled on the name critically conscious for this way of being, thinking, and showing up, it struck a chord, a deep one, and it's starting to feel like a life-changing one. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Critically Conscious Coach, where coaches and consultants know the importance of deeply connecting with prospects, showing up in an authentic and joyful way, and inviting those people to become lifelong clients to exceed their sales goals. But most coaches are afraid to market themselves because they've been taught to use cookie-cutter marketing tactics and unethical sales approaches, when in reality, your prospect just wants a real emotional connection and amazing results. Therefore, get ready to unlearn and market yourself authentically through asking insightful questions, making better business decisions, practicing self-acceptance, and doing sales the right way. Welcome to another episode on the Critically Conscious Coach podcast, where coaches and consultants and online service providers come to do some deep exploration around some of the (laughs) unethical things taking place in our industry, as well as a place, a safe space to come and do some deep thinking and question some of the things that we have taken for granted that we have always believed to be true that we have never questioned. That's the kind of leads perfectly into the topic of What does critically conscious mean? It's really hard when what you do is built on different things. And I addressed this in last week's episode, um, what led to critically conscious, where I talked about how I didn't feel comfortable calling myself an emotional intelligence coach. I didn't feel comfortable calling myself a critical thinking or creative thinking coach, you know, even like an ethics coach, because I can't coach you on your ethics per se, you know, I'm sure I could probably make that work. But the things that I enjoy doing, I do enjoy do the, doing these things separately, exploring ethics, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, all of that. But I absolutely adore when they blend and swirl together. So that's what critically conscious represents for me. It's this blending and swirling of emotional intelligence, critical thinking, creative thinking, and ethics. So here's a definition as I've written it now. It's still a newish concept, so this definition will probably evolve over time. But Critically conscious refers to a manner of being, thinking, and showing up that reflects an expansive level of self-awareness, intentional, critical, and creative thinking while staying aligned with high moral values. I'm going to say it one more time. (laughs) Critically conscious refers to a manner of being, thinking, and showing up that reflects an expansive level of self-awareness, intentional, critical, and creative thinking while staying aligned with high moral values. This single realization, what it's called and how the pillars of my framework work together, has been over a year in the making, over a year of meditating, 
journaling, researching, discussing, studying, experiencing, until it crystallized during a brainstorming session. Emotional intelligence, critical thinking, creative thinking, and ethics. I knew they all went together, that you could focus on them separately, but, but something beautiful and amazing happens when you bring them together. But for a while, it looked like a web a drunken spider had woven. Literally, because I brainstormed the critically conscious concept over several sessions in a virtual reality map called Noda, where you can create, it's like a mind map, but in 3D and it's like in your face. So I had made all these little connections. I made like the little balls and, and connected them all and, and had all types of stuff connected, but it looked like a drunken spider had made it. You could see the connections. You could see that there were certain themes. You could see what was important, the four things I've already listed, the, e, the EI, the CT, both CTs, I guess, critical and creative thinking, and plus the ethics. Like you could tell those were the main pillars, but it wasn't organized. But then one day I realized that there was something that should always be at the foundation, and that is emotional intelligence. So yes, emotional intelligence is solidly at the foundation of being critically conscious. Uh, self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and social management. Those are the four quadrants of emotional intelligence. The cornerstone of emotional intelligence, though, is self-awareness. Without it, everything else becomes hit or miss. You can have a high level of empathy, which, you know, falls into your social awareness and social management. You can have a high level of empathy for other people, but a lower level of self-awareness means that you may struggle with your boundaries. And so what do you turn into? A people pleaser who doesn't know how to say no because you feel so deeply for everybody. Right. So this is where you see the relationships between different emotional intelligence skills. If you have high empathy, but low self-regard or high empathy, but low assertiveness, you that's who you become. You feel like you're, oh, I'm just a doormat. I can't say no to anybody. I always have to say yes, because you're always thinking about everyone else and you don't have the self-awareness to consider yourself and your own needs. So if you aren't aware of your emotions, you don't have a chance in hell of managing them. So again, self-awareness is the cornerstone of EI, and your self-awareness is particularly key. Uh, emotions are the color of our reality. So without your emotions, it, it just it's like a coloring book, right, that nobody's colored in. It's like a black and white TV. So that's kind of how I equate emotions, is it colors everything. So whatever you're feeling colors your experience in that moment. If you are feeling happy and, okay, so I'll say, if I'm feeling happy and my child spills some water, I'm like, oh, pfft, you spilled the water. And, I, and I'm able, I tell a different story to myself about how it's no big deal. At least it's not sticky and whatnot, right? But if I'm already irritated and somebody spills water, my emotions color that moment and lead to additional irritation, much like how I felt before my kids actually worked out the remote and the batteries and all that stuff because I had been interrupted trying to record this podcast episode like 50,000 times. So my emotions colored my perception of that reality. They should be at school, but they're not because it's spring break. So I guess technically they shouldn't be at school, but y'all know what I'm saying. So when you have self-awareness, that leads to better social awareness. So then you understand how your emotions, how they impact others. And you understand how they're influencing your thinking and your behavior. And that leads into some of the other elements of being critically conscious. Now, another reason that emotional intelligence is the foundation, your emotional self-awareness is the foundation of being critically conscious, is that emotions come so quickly to us. Until we grow accustomed to catching them and examining them, they will lead us instead of it being the other way around. Our emotions will lead us. So you've heard me say it before, probably. Emotions are messages. They're alerts. They present opportunities for lessons. What your emotions are telling you when you're angry, when you're happy, content, envious, 
frustrated, apathetic? What stories are you telling yourself based on these emotions? Did your emotions leading the way usher you down the path of a certain pattern of thinking, one littered with cognitive biases or logical fallacies? And this leads us into the next layer of critically conscious, critical thinking. (laughs) Because your brain is your filter for your reality. So without emotional intelligence, there will always be a mystery hand that steers your thinking. You'll struggle to discern patterns because your brain is kind of like a boat and you don't realize that the currents are what's tugging it along. So it would be like if you were in a boat and you're like, how is my boat moving without the engine? Oh my goodness. It's because there are currents. Your emotions are like those currents. And if you're not aware of them, you can go all sorts of places without you touching the wheel, right? So emotional intelligence is that opportunity to take the wheel. So when I was studying critical thinking um, and the model that I typically refer to most often, I'm referring primarily to the Paul Elder model of critical thinking. And they say that critical thinkers routinely apply intellectual standards to the elements of reasoning in order to develop intellectual traits. And there's like a really fancy chart and all this stuff. And we'll get into what the uh, intellectual standards, the elements of reasoning, and the intellectual traits are another day. But I'm going to focus on the elements of reasoning briefly because the elements of reasoning, they've divided them up into one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I just wanted to be sure. (laughs) They divided them up into eight, and this covers all of your different types of thinking. And when you're aware of them, again, you can observe them and you can dig a little bit deeper. When you're unaware of something, you can't dig deeper on it, right? So the elements of reasoning, as identified by the Paul Elder model of critical thinking, are purposes, questions, points of view, information, concepts, implications, and assumptions. The last one, assumptions, is what led to the episode collection, The Entrepreneurship Industry, Secrets, and Thoughts. And I began that episode collection in January of 2022, and that episode collection carried us pretty much all the way through the first quarter of the year. So there are, I guess there must be about 12 episodes in there now. And the reason why that happened, why that took place is because as part of the development for the Critically Conscious Framework, I needed to develop an understanding of my assumptions. I needed to explore my assumptions about the industry to dive as deeply as I could into it because I realized that in order to have real change in this industry and thus have real change, uh, you know, looking at the entrepreneurship industry as a whole, we needed to question some of the things that were in place that we've just been carrying forward. Are we carrying forward necessary things or are we lugging forward heavy ass baggage that nobody wants anymore? So there's a fun term called metacognition, and it means thinking about your thinking, much like when we say, oh, that's really meta, uh, metacognition, thinking about your thinking. I spend a lot of time doing this. I spend a lot of time, you know, reviewing my emotions in a situation, reviewing my thoughts in a situation, the stories that I've told myself, the different elements of reasoning. And this works great in terms of performing like an AAR. So in the military, we'll call that an after action review. Or you could also call it doing a postmortem for a situation. So when you're working on developing your emotional intelligence and your critical thinking skills, it is difficult to do in the moment because you're not used to it yet. But when you've had a really happy moment, when you've had a successful negotiation, when you've had an argument with a spouse, a friend, or a partner, when you sit down later and wonder how you got so irritated while you were trying to record this podcast episode when your kids were doing what kids do, which is interrupt you. <laughs> when you're examining those things, it's, it's important to examine 
your assumptions, the stories that you tell yourself, all of the different elements of reasoning, as well as the emotions that come up as well because they become intertwined. Your brain is your filter for your experience of reality. Your thoughts are like a treasure trove of information, especially when you become skilled at observing them. So when you look at your emotions and your thoughts, that is the landscape for your perception of reality, which again goes back to the whole, there is no objective reality. Everything is subjective. What we have is what we, what we consider almost like weak objectivity, if you will. That's a, a term they use in quantum physics. But you could almost see like objective is just what it seems to be the mass of people agree upon, right? Which we feel, and we have to do that to a certain extent in order to interact with each other. So I won't get too meta in this episode about that. But we are going to roll into where emotional intelligence and critical thinking have a wonderful baby, and that's creative thinking. So the process your brain goes through in any type of creative endeavor can almost be predictable, not in a cookie cutter type of way, i.e. I can tell you what everybody's creative process looks like. But what I can tell you is that the, the process that we all go through follows kind of these four steps, but the way it looks for each individual person is can be very different. So it's not that it's predictable in timing, but just mostly predictable in the phases that you go through. Now, we covered this thoroughly in episode 201, Maximize Your Creativity in Business. And my understanding of the creative process is rooted in the work of Dr. Amit Goswami, a theoretical quantum physicist whom we interviewed, or no, who we interviewed in January 2022. And he wrote an amazing book called Quantum Creativity, and it's available on Amazon, audiobook, you can get it on ebook, like you can do all the things, all the books, and I'd highly recommend it. But basically, the four phases are information, incubation, illumination, and implementation. So information, you go through this phase, like, and, and you've probably experienced this. You're like, oh, I need to learn about this thing. And you start to consume vast amounts of information. And no, at no time in the existence of humanity have we had access to more information, right? And again, please, if you're interested in this, definitely check out episode 201 because I dive deep in here as, as, as well as in that episode, I explore what can block your creative process. So information, you're gathering all this information, a podcast, you might even buy some courses, books, uh, videos, uh, bo like books, 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 podcasts, podcasts, all, all, all the things, all the things, right? And you're just like, nom, 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 right? Because the internet is an information buffet and you're consuming all the things. But then you get into this phase where you almost feel like you've had enough. This is when you get full and this is when you start to digest. This is the incubation phase, Right. And this is where things start to, this is where you have the, the things are expanding and collapsing. All the possibilities, right, are expanding and collapsing, expanding and collapsing. Your subconscious mind is chewing all this stuff. You need to leave time for that. You can't rush this process. Um, but there are things you can do during your incubation process that can help. But again, go check out that episode. And then you have the illumination. This is your aha phase. Eureka, I have done it. That's this phase, right, where everything collapses into like this single point of clarity. Now, this may take you back to the first phase, right, information, because that single point of clarity helped you realize something that you needed to research further or a different path for you to travel upon. But it may lead to the fourth phase, which is implementation. Now that you've had the aha, it's up to you to take it from a single point of, of clarity, a single possibility that with high levels of clarity to an actual thing that's manifested in our reality. So the creative process had to come after emotional intelligence and critical thinking in the critically conscious framework because a lack of either interferes with a, a smoother creative thinking process. 
So becoming comfortable with how you flow through your creative process can help you perceive when you're on the precipice of a breakthrough in understanding, much like I did as I worked to bring Critically Conscious to life. So understanding your process can help you shake things loose, like when you feel stuck. Going out and experiencing something new can expand and collapse new possibilities more rapidly than when you just sit there physically embodying the mental stuckness in your mind. All right. (sighs) And now. Now we come to ethics, because I think you need all three of the preceding things before you can come to ethics. What happens when we assume that nearly everyone is trying to be a good person? There aren't many true villains out there. Now, what I mean by that, right, like the ones who see themselves as actual villains in their own story, very, very few. The vast majority of people who do bad things the vast majority of people who do even heinous things do not paint themselves as the villains in their own life story. It doesn't make what they've done any less bad by our own moral standards, but it can shed light on the motivations and the reasoning of the individual in question. And whether or not you want to know those things, that's completely up to you, right? But once you understand critically conscious for yourself, your mind begins to explore the possibilities for other people that you interact with. And so you begin to better understand what could possibly motivate their behavior, which actually allows you to be to become a better listener, a better coach, a better consultant, a better service provider. It allows you to ask better questions because you understand what's causing certain behavior. You might understand or have some insight into what's causing certain emotions to flare up or for your clients to have certain thoughts. So I said it before. I'll say it again. Ethics are what we owe to each other just for existing. How do complete strangers deserve to be treated by me? What about my family and friends? What about my prospects and clients? But you may expand ethics to go beyond just humanity, right? What do we owe to our planet? Do I owe the earth anything just because I live on it? Am I obligated to try and compensate for the negligence of others? Is the earth something to stand up for? What about the animals and plants that live here too? Where do we fit in? And now to get even more woo, what do we owe for this opportunity to exist? Was I born to accomplish something? Do I have a responsibility to accomplish whatever is in my capacity to accomplish? What do I feel obligated or privileged to do to make the most of my opportunity to exist? So you can see, like, this can get very deep. And any of those questions would make a great journaling question. All of the questions might make a great journaling question. You just write it at the top of a page or type it at the top of a page and just write. Just let it out. Just let just answer the question. These aren't light questions. They're, they're very philosophical, right? And I don't ask it in such a way as to, you know, make it sound like there's only one right answer because there's not. But it's just, just a reminder. I'm going to give you the definition of critically conscious again now that I've given you the four pillars that, that help, you know, prop it up. Critically conscious refers to a manner of being, thinking, and showing up that reflects an expansive level of self-awareness, intentional, critical, and creative thinking while staying aligned with high moral values. This doesn't mean that I have the cookie-cutter template for being a good, open-minded person. Every single thing that I have ever said has still been up to you to interpret for yourself. It is my firm belief that the critically conscious framework helps create an environment where you can do that interpretation without fear of your vulnerability being used against you. It is an environment where authenticity flourishes and all of us are constantly learning. 
If you're learning to be critically conscious on your own, my hope is that the framework will illuminate your unique path. Thank you so much for joining me. The fact that I was able to fit this all into one episode is amazing. I feel really proud of myself, I'm gonna be honest. It used to be something that was so big and consuming, I would have struggled to fit what was in my mind into even three or four episodes. Being critically conscious is something that's so important for coaches and consultants because our realm of work stems from our own minds as well as trying to connect and reach into other people's minds. And as entrepreneurs, we can't afford to have gaps in our awareness of self. That's certainly how I ended up spending my money with the bro marketers. Talk to you next time.